Good morning. It is good to be with God's beloved, chosen, gospel-called people. And even those who may be live-streaming with us. Uh, one thing I would ask you to do, please, is check your phones, make sure they're muted. Uh, I asked everyone at chapel to do that here a couple of weeks ago, and thank God... Nothing happened, but when the service was over, I rushed down to turn my sound back on. I never turned my own sound off. so Wasn't listening to my own instructions, was I? Let me give you a song. My dear brother in Christ, Joe Galusic, the one that God was pleased to first bring me the gospel of Christ. And he, sent, he always sends me on Saturday evenings a song, and wherever I am, I read that song. To those who I'm, I'm preaching to. This is from John Bradford. Um, John Bradford was a minister in the Church of England. He lived from 1510 to 1555. On January the 30th, he was jailed for crimes against Queen Mary, the queen at that time, Roman Catholic. He was jailed for crimes against her because he was preaching the gospel of Christ. On July the 1st of that same year, he was burned at the stake. Now this is what that man wrote. His title is A Just God and a Savior. He has a couple passages to go with it. It's Isaiah 45, 21. Romans 6, 22. Bradford wrote these words, Oh, the power of of love divine who its heights and depths can tell tell Jehovah's grand design to redeem our souls from hell mystery of redemption this all my sins on Christ were laid my offense was reckoned his he the great atonement made fully I am justified Free from sin and more than free. Guiltless since for me he died. Righteous since he lived for me. Jesus, now to thee I bow. Let thy praise my tongue employ. Saved unto the utmost now. Who can speak my heartfelt joy? I don't know exactly when that song was written, but I have no idea what it's like to be knowing that you're facing being burnt to death. But if it's for the cause of Christ, I am assured there will be comfort there. And I don't mean to sound a sour note or sound as though I'm sounding some kind of warning but my brothers and sisters the world in which we live right now I have no idea what things are coming to I just have no idea on that note my wife Penny sends her love she could not make it uh, since I'm staying till Tuesday 
God in his providence just did not work that out for her to come with me. Uh, but she does send her love. She, I know she would love to have been here. Uh, I bring you greetings from Paul and Paula, which God willing you will see next week. From Joe and Debbie, the other preacher and his wife, and of course all the other, your brothers and sisters that gather at Southern, Sovereign Grace Chapel. And I want to thank Mark back there and Regina. Thank you for your hospitality. Kindnesses. And if you want to ask me later about some of the things that happened to me the first day I was there, talk to me later. <laughs> you made me feel at home. You told me feel at home. You, you have, and I'm sure you will continue to do that. All right, be turning to Micah, the prophet Micah. If you're like me and you need a little help with that, it's find Matthew and go back seven books in the Old Testament. You'll find Micah. All right, while you're turning to Micah, I have one other thing to read to you. It's not necessarily a part of my message per se. My dear wife sent this to me the other day. And this will be our first Sunday together in the new year. Of course, Brother Eldridge preached on Tuesday night, I think it was, the first message of the new year. But my wife sent me this quote by Augustus Toplady. He did not live to be very old at all. He wrote this evidently from what's on this here December 31st, 1757. Last day of the year, 1757. Augustus Toplady wrote these words. Upon a review of the past year, I desire to confess that my unfaithfulness has been exceeding great. My sins still greater. God's mercies greater than both. My shortcomings and my misdoings, my unbelief and want of love would sink me into the lowest hell. Was not Jesus my righteousness and my redeemer? I ask anyone here this morning, can you, can you relate to that? Can you enter into acknowledging that in this new year about your past year? I'm sure you can. I can too. All right, are you in Micah? Micah chapter 7 now. Find chapter 7. And we'll not, I will not read the, the whole chapter. But I do want to begin in verse 5 and just read a few verses. Let's consider what Micah said here. Micah 7 verse 5. Trust ye not in a friend, put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father, and the daughter riseth up against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies are the men of his own house. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. 
I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. For he will bring me forth to the light. And I shall behold his, <coughs> excuse me, his righteousness. I thought of several titles. A few taking statements directly from what our brother Micah wrote. But then my mind finally settled on this. Confirmations of God's work. If you're like me, and I suppose you are to the, to the, to the most degree, I often have concerns about my soul. Am I truly one of God's? How could someone and something like me truly be loved of God? But our brother Micah says these words, Rejoice! Not against me, O mine enemy. But what was shocking is when I read this text, I thought, okay, rejoice not against me, O my, my enemy. But as I read this, I realized that the enemy is not some outsider. The enemy is not some stranger from some faraway land. The enemy is not someone that I have no connection with, no understanding of. Let me see it. Trust not in a friend. Put you not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter riseth up against her mother, the daughter in law against her mother in law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Our Lord gave us some insight into this astounding truth. Now when I, I've been preaching quite a while, but I, I read this, I mean, I've, I've read it over and over again, I've preached on it before, but it dawned on me once again, we might say. Why is that? Why is verse 5 and 6 with verse 7 through 9? Why that in particular? We'll turn to Matthew 10. We'll see why. Matthew chapter 10. And once I'm there, we're going to read a few words of our Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Master, our Redeemer, gave us some insight as to this astounding truth. And before I read his words, and I will only read a portion of them you can study the total context later but I am going to sum up what our Lord Jesus Christ says in these verses I'm going to read Christ declares without question no argument no debate Christ Jesus will compete with no one 
and no thing. It's not just Christ here and someone else is here. When it comes to Christ, no one else is in the picture. Now listen to what our Lord said. You with, with me? Matthew 10. These are our Lord's words himself. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Now that is directly opposed to most thoughts by most professing Christians in our day. Especially in the season we've just come through in December. They think that Jesus came to spread peace amongst all the inhabitants of the world. Do they not? Am I building a straw man? Am I lying on them? I am pointing out what they truly believe. And at the time of Christmas, this is truly accentuated everywhere. Love, love, peace, peace. As though the Lord God of glory came down to try to get us all to get along. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come. Do you see that? These are his words. Our master's words. I am come. Not, not this is a sad consequence of my coming. Not that this is even a sad consequence of man's rebellion. Though man's rebellion stands at a forefront. For I am come. To set a man at variance to divide in two. I am come to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. What? From a child I was never raised hearing such a thing from the lips of the master. And yet this comes directly from the lips of of the master and look at what he says and a man's foes it's going to ring a bell isn't it? and a man's foes shall be they of his own household but then look at the reason for this fact he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me no one else competes with Jesus Christ. And he that loveth son or daughter, and God help us, we ought to, right? We ought to. It's the right thing to do. But compared to Christ, it's detrimental to our souls. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy in me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Now I can just, I know, or I remember some of the feelings I first had when I read this passage. And I don't remember the date or the time, but I remember reading this passage at least for the first time when God just kind of opened my eyes to it. And I was shocked. I was taken aback. I mean, 
some of these people here, and I'm sure it's not an exhaustive list, all other filial relationships, whether it's blood or marriage, no matter what it is, all of them apply. Christ will compete with nothing and no one. They all apply. And I thought, uh, but I love these people. But he didn't tell me I can't love them, does he? He that loveth father or mother more than me, they're not on the same page. We love them, but they are equal to us. We are equal to them. We're to love him because he deserves to be loved and adored and worshipped and obeyed. So now we see a little bit of the context of when we read our brother Micah's words when he says this, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. <laughs> so, rejoice not against me, even my own dear kinfolk, my spouse, my wife, my husband, my brothers, my sisters, my grandparents. Rejoice not against me, oh my, my own very dear kin. But listen to me now. This is not our brother Micah groveling or pleading for consideration from the enemy. You hear me? This is not our brother Micah groveling or pleading for consideration from the enemy. Even in light of this, its own, he's, it's his own blood kin. This is Micah warning the enemy. Even family members. Do not mock me. God is at work here. Even when I fall. <laughs> See the context? See it? Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. Why? Because I have enemies and they're right in my own household. Now I thought about going on to other enemies. We have Satan. We have the world. There's an enemy down in here. But let's just stick with this for right now. Remember... Christ competes with nothing else. He will compete with nothing else. Either Christ, and I will say it this way, so don't, don't, but don't, don't be angry at me. Either Christ is Lord to you in your experience, or He's nothing at all. He can't be your Savior, and then later you make Him your Lord. When God bows you by the gospel, you bow to Him as Lord and Savior, both at the same time and all the time. You can't pick one or the other. Mm. Look, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the, for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When? When, not if. A fall's coming. A fall's coming. A fall's coming. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit, that's a, an amazing thing to think about. When I sit, I, Micah, me, you, we sit. What's that mean? To be comfortable in. 
Hmm? Come on now. When I sit in darkness, it's how bad I am by nature. Even as God, one of God's redeemed, regenerated, converted people, my flesh still loves to sit in dark. Not run from darkness. Not avoid darkness. To relax with it. Our brother Micah felt that way too, didn't he? Huh? You're not alone. I'm not alone. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be light unto me. I'm not going to deal with that in particular, but He don't just give me light, though that's certainly true, but He is my light. Our brother Micah here provides us with some great comfort Though the context has some chilling facts associated with it. Family members become your enemies. One of the greatest shocks to my system as a whole. (laughs) When God first saved me and called me by the preaching of his gospel. Was that my very blood relationships turned on me. I was a young preacher in a church building God saved me and I began to preach what God had done for me and some of my own family cried out these words in that church building tar and feather them I'd only heard that in the movies about way back yonder right This came from my loved ones. It scared me to death. Shelby, it frightened me. Is this what it's all about? Christ would say, yes, my son. This is what it's about. But I am preeminent. When it comes to me, they don't matter. They are mine. I will do with my own what I will. But as I said, in spite of that here, and it being a reality in our lives, what our brother Micah is providing for us here is great comfort, especially in light of verse 9. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Then notice these words. Until he plead my cause. And execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light. And I shall behold his righteousness. Now consider these four thoughts. All of the, these four things are confirmations that God is at work. If I can find myself there in the text, if I can, and I know salvation is not an experience, but when God saves you, you will experience it. If I can find myself saying, that's what God's doing to me and for me, it provides some hope, even in light of and in spite of 
myself today. So all of these things, these four things are confirmations that God is working upon me, within me, and for me. So remember, confirmations of God's work. Number one, we never, if God's really working on you, you'll never ever be able to get over the corruption that is your own flesh. Because not only are these out here your enemies, you got an enemy that's still right down in here. My true worst enemy is not even Satan himself. My true enemy is me. Me. Our brother cries out these words, I will bear the indignation, not I bore. This is not something that just happened back there in the past. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Two thoughts here. There, this is not some one-time initial confession at initial gospel conversion. I'm not going to turn to these, but I'll give us the gist. Paul in Philippians 3, 3 says this, We have, not had, now that had certainly true, but it's, it's longer than that, it's more than that. We have, well he wrote the words, we have no confidence in the flesh. Romans 7.24, you look at it later sometime if you wish. Romans 7.24, the Apostle Paul, a man who was given visions from God, whom Jesus Christ spoke to personally. Whom Jesus Christ has, had changed his life from a blasphemer, a hater of God's church, to a preacher of the Christ of God. And as he pinned down what we know as Romans 7.24, or someone was doing it for him as he dictated to it, that's what some people say, but that's neither here nor there, but Romans 7.24, as an apostle, Writing down inspired words while he was writing the very words being moved by the Spirit of God. Wrote these words and it came from in here. Oh, wretched man that I am. You see that? I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. And of course, you know the psalm, Psalm 51, David's penitential prayer after that fiasco with Uriah, Bathsheba. Oh, God have mercy on me. If you ever grow beyond the need for God's mercy, you've grown too far. That may not be good English, but it's the truth. You see, it's a good thing for us to be ever reminded by God, though sometimes it hurts, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But it's a good thing to be ever reminded by God of the corruption that's in my flesh. You know why? Because God's at work here. And if God's really there, that flesh is going to be constantly, constantly, constantly exposed. It'll never be covered up. It'll just one day either in resurrection or being caught up, it'll just be done away with. We have to deal with ourselves until the end of this thing. 
And somebody says, why does it have to be that way? Because God said so. I believe there's some but God said so. My daddy used to tell me, he'd tell me to do something. And I said, well, why do I have to do that? He wouldn't explain all that. He said, because I said so. Here's the second thought of this. We never get over this corruption of our flesh. Where God is at work, where God is at work, a person continually takes sides with God against themselves. Now that's actually words of scripture, but what I want you to do is actually turn to Luke chapter 17. Now hold Micah, turn to Luke 17. I said continually. We continually take sides with God against ourselves. Luke 17, I'll just read one verse and we'll look at the facts here. What I'm, the association of this, this statement from our Lord concerning what I'm talking about. Verse 10 of Luke 17. <clears throat> Christ speaking <clears throat> to his disciples. Not the Pharisees. No, no not the Sadducees, not the scribes. So likewise ye. <clears throat> when ye shall have done all these things. <laughs> all these things which are commanded of you. And I have to stop for a minute and say, I don't even know if that's ever been true of me up to this point. But taking our Lord is what he's saying. Look at it. Ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, say this, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. You know why? Because Christ competes with no one or no thing. This is not me and Jesus working together. It definitely ain't me working for Jesus. This is God is at work here. God's at work here. In spite of me. Here's the second thought. I want you to listen to this second thought. <clears throat> Where God is at work. God does the work. Pretty simple, ain't it? Where God is at work, God does the work. Now, I'm sure you folks here, you because you've heard this for years and years and years and years, and you think, well, that's pretty simple, but these folk out here, these other buildings that are meeting this morning, they talk about God being at work, and then they talk about what they do. So that simplicity, sim, the simplicity of that very point where God is at work, God does the work, goes right over their heads. They can't relate to it down in here. Because they really think this thing is really a synergistic thing between them and God. Even if God gets 99.99% of the, of the credit, we at least get a little bit. But Christ will compete with no one or no thing. Where God is at work, God does the work. He will bring me forth to the light. Right? He will. He will. Psalm 65 and 4. It's in the bulletin. Blessed is the man whom thou chooseth and causeth to approach unto thee. So God starts the work. Paul says, He that hath begun a good work in you 
will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Settled, doctrine's done. No debate. What about this verse? No debate. It's over with. If you think there's a verse that contradicts that one, you misunderstand that verse. The precedent is set. He who began the work will finish the work. When God does a work, God does the work. No debate. Luke 15, you have a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Granted, the third one shows the activity of the Son, but that's only because of the work of the Son of God first. Because in the first two illustrations, it's a lost sheep. And the shepherd goes out and he looks for the sheep till he finds it. He lays hold of the sheep and doesn't just say, come on with it, lays it on his shoulders. And he carries it all the way home. And then says to everyone else, rejoice with me because I did the work. <laughs> Isn't that what it says? Again, where God is at work, God gets all the credit because He deserves the credit. This is not us giving, just placating God. Well, He did most of it. I know I helped Him out, but I kind of, we just kind of let God have all the glory. No, you don't let God have anything. He gets the glory because He earned the glory. Here's the third part. Here's the third confirmation that God's at work. Have you been able to relate to this thus far? I hope so. I hope so. Here's the third, the third confirmation. Where God is at work, a person beholds, beholds. Not a little glance. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. No, a person beholds. Hello. Their eyes get fixed on. <laughs> Behold, a person beholds God's righteousness. Now, you and I know this is not about us physically looking at God's righteousness. Although some people had, the disciples actually beheld God's righteousness with their eyes. They handled the righteousness of God. So how do we behold Him? The only way we can by the grace of God is by faith. But bless God, by faith we do. We do. That's it. Where God is at work, a, poor, a person beholds God's righteousness, and I shall behold His righteousness. Look at Psalm 71. This First time I ever heard this quoted, or correction, first time I ever remember hearing this quoted or read from was Brother Boost Parks, Daniel Parks. The man that used to be in palm trees in St. Croix and now is in snow in Montana. Look at what Psalm 70. Look at what the psalmist wrote. Let's begin in verse 70 verse. Now I've got the wrong one. 71. Yes. Did somebody say that? You already knew, didn't you? <laughs> Look at what it says. Let me find my spot. One was Okay, first, verse 14. Psalm 71, verse 14. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. Why? Because he's the only one that's done anything that deserves any praise. I've sinned against the Lord. I've got to bear his indignation. 
But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall shew forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness. But it's not, you can't stop there. All these people out here make mention of his righteousness. But what does the psalmist say? Even of thine O. N L Y only only because when I do mention my righteousness I am forced by the spirit of God to say it is nothing but menses cause hmm. Philippians 3 the apostle Paul said what not having mine own righteousness not I don't want it I count it but dung, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Jesus, the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Anyone get a glimmer of hope now? Hmm? Just even, let me tell you something, if God gives you just a glimmer of hope, it's better than all the false hope of religion. If you get this glimmer of hope, it's better. God's working in me. God's at work in me. And that's not presumption. It's a fact. It's a fact. Somebody says, preacher, you skipped something. Yeah, I did. I did. Hear me now. Don't prejudice your mind about what I'm about to say before you even hear me say it. Yes, I skipped something. And I'm not going to deal with this in detail trying to prove this. But our brother Micah was looking for the Messiah to come. So he cried out until he pleaded my cause. The Messiah has come. And the Messiah has pled our cause. He said, nails, nails in his feet, crown of thorns pushed on his head, beaten beyond recognition. And then the father turned his back on him while he hung there. You know what he cried out? It is finished. <laughs> hmm. Folks, listen to me. Don't, like I said, don't prejudice your mind. Don't say until the Lord pled, pleads my cause, He already has. Religion's talking about until He pleads my cause. And they think they're in line with Micah. No, they're not. Micah was back yonder. We're over here. It's done. As the songwriter said, it's done. The great transaction is done. Now I'm going to throw the bombshell out. Now, Brother Mark took me to the shooting range yesterday, so a lot of the frustrations I have were loosed out and all that. But I'm going to get a grenade out and pull the pin. I'm going to throw it right here to the floor. All of your recognition of your corruption before God. Him bringing you forth to the light and to behold His righteousness. Seeing 
who God is. Listen to me. These three things mean nothing apart from this last confirmation. God had to plead, actually plead our cause and execute judgment for us. Apart from the cross work of Christ, all of my repentance and faith in the world, even from God, would have meant nothing. Boom. Religion says that's crazy. No, that is gospel truth. God can give you faith from Him and you believe. But believe what? You believe the record God gave of His Son. Here's the fourth Confirmation. God must act for me. And he has. But listen, look at what our brother said. Until he plead my cause and execute judgment. Aren't you glad it says even Micah said it for me, not against me. Mm -mm. He judged his son. The judgment against sin was Toward his son. But that judgment was for me. All confessions of corruption. All bringing forth to the light. All beholding of God's Christ. His righteousness. Is of no value. Apart from the doing and dying of Christ the Lamb on the tree. God is just. And for even God to be a Savior, He has to satisfy that justice. And He did. <laughs> he has pled our cause, brothers and sisters. He has executed judgment for us. And you know what? He, when He said it is finished, you know what He said it is finished? Reconciliation is done. Look at, I look, I'm going to read it. Romans 5, 6 to 11. Go home and pour over that and look at exactly what it says. When did he reconcile me? Not when he brought me forth to the light. Not when I beheld his righteousness, but when I was in rebellion against him. When I was an enemy. Yet he reconciled me to God through the death of his son. Colossians says, even when we were engaged in our wicked works. Of course, we were not even born. But as soon as we were, we went forth doing what? Speaking lies. And Paul to the church of Colossae said this. Even in the, the, your, your, your wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Listen to me. Not even, through, not even through preaching the gospel, though that is absolutely vital. But God, if it all it took was for us to believe the gospel, then Christ wouldn't have to die. But then there would have been no gospel. Because the good news is, it's finished. It's finished. He's played our cause. He's executed judgment for us. Hebrews 1, the writer there, verses 1 through said, He purged our sins. Now if it's purged, it's what? Purged. Not can be purged. Not might be purged. Purged our sins. What did He do? Sat down on the right hand 
of the majesty on high. So when were my sins purged, if they are purged? When he died on that tree. Though they were and still very real to me, they're gone before the sight of the Father. And then, that same epistle, same letter, chapter 10, it said, Jesus Christ sanctified a people when he offered up himself. And having sanctified them, when he offered up himself, that same time, that same act, he perfected them. So folks, while I was born absolutely corrupt and totally depraved, I was still perfected in God's sight by the work of the Son. Somebody says, I can't believe that. I know. But I'm not asking you just to believe that. I'm calling on you to believe Christ. You really bow down to Him. You submit to Him. Then these things, you'll be brought forth to the light. You'll start seeing these things. Hmm? You'll start seeing them. Do I find myself shut up under the person of Christ and His cross work at Calvary? When I, was, when I was in religion, I wasn't. That was just, a, that was kind of the way to kind of get things jump-started. Right? Just like when you got a dead battery. Then you find either another car with a good battery or a, or a, or a kickstarter, and you, you start up that battery, but then you do what? You take the cables off and let that car run on its own and make its own. We don't make our own juice. we got to have the kickstarter all the time. Our Lord said, without me, ye can do what? Nothing. Nothing. I find some comfort here in our brother's words. I can relate to this. Not because I'm a wise man. Not because I'm a smart man. But because God Almighty is at work in me. He shut me up into this. In spite of myself back then. And even right now. Turn to Galatians. And I'll close with this. Galatians. And in particular, Galatians chapter 6. While you're turning, drink of water. Alright, there are Galatians chapter 6. But look at this. And let's do note the order here. Remember I explained to you, or at least mentioned about how Michael would say, until he plead my cause. He has. He has. But look at what Paul says. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's not talking about that piece of wood upon which he hung, but the sufferings he endured while he hung upon that tree. He was made a curse. What's a bad thing? No. No. That's a good thing. He willingly took it upon himself. Poured upon me. Make me a curse. And he was when he hung on that tree. He was made sin. Not kicking and screaming against it. But for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. But he did it, F-O-R, 
us. So Paul said, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature. Let me tell you something. Everybody for whom Christ died will be made a new creature. Somebody says that's that old limited atonement. Yeah it's limited in the purpose of God but it is unlimited for this sin sick corrupt sinner's soul. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature and as many as. So let's be, if I'm in that part I'm, I'm in good shape but if I'm not in that one I'm out here somewhere. Right? That's what it says. And as many as walk according to this rule what Christ and his cross works everything. That's where I glory. And the evidence of the fact that he did that for me is God Almighty is at work in me <laughs> see it so I said see I didn't have to tie this together God's words like this I just don't always see it <laughs> it's like this hmm? and as many as walk according to this rule so that lets me know this it ain't just a one time thing is it it ain't just walking the aisle and praying the prayer repenting and then going on about your merry way, it's being conquered by Jesus Christ. I can't get over Him. I can't get over Him. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them. And mercy and upon all of God's elect people. From henceforth, now think about what Paul said, from henceforth, let no man trouble me. Talking to the Galatians. These men have come in and bewitched them. He said, don't you trouble me no more with this. It's settled. It's done. We're not going to debate this. We're just going to preach it. Somebody, It's up to us to convince somebody. No, that's the work of the Spirit of God. That's what religion is trying. They're trying to really do God's work. They think it's up to me or you when you're soul winning, when you're witnessing, to convince somebody that they're a sinner. No. When He has come, that's the Spirit of truth, He will convince the world of sin. Just preach Christ. Magnify Christ. Tell people of what Christ has done for you. Hmm. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And that says it all. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that these words will, Lord, not only that they may have encouraged us right now, but Kind of stick with us. Not my words. Your words. Your truth. And may they stick with us as we part our ways and go back out there among the world. But Lord, when we leave here, we're still going to have ourselves with us. So help us, Lord, by your grace. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, I'm done.